This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Recently, the Wharton School completed its inaugural Entrepreneurial Startup Challenge. Student teams submitting ideas with the best one, winning a $30,000 grand prize. Other prizes for other uh, packages as well. The winner of the event just announced was a startup known as Twine, which is trying to solve the age-old problem of losing value in employees, whether that be the fact that they are not utilized properly in the right spot of the company or whether or not they are just leaving the firm altogether because of it. Joseph Kwan and Nikhil Srivastava are class of 2017. They developed this startup using algorithms to try and eliminate some of these issues while also possibly saving companies potentially millions of dollars in extra HR costs. And they join us here in the studio. Gentlemen, great to meet you. Thank you. That was Thanks. an incredible introduction. Well, I, that's why they pay me the big bucks here. <laughs> but And we wish you all the best on your graduations coming up. Thank you, Thank you very much. So I, I guess let, let's start with where the idea for Twine really came from, whoever would like to jump on that. Yeah, the, the genesis of the idea was actually a little bit circuitous. So about a year ago, uh, Nikhil and I came together with this idea of building a people recommendation engine. Essentially, software that would help uh, any person inside of a large organization algorithmically identify what other people they should be meeting. And mm -hmm. this was mainly for networking and mentorship purposes. Mm -hmm. So we ended up piloting it, building it out at Wharton, uh, signed up over a thousand classmates, so about 60% of class within a week. And what we saw was that, first of all, hey, there might be a little bit, there might be likes behind this idea. Mm -hmm. But we had two kind of fundamental hypotheses as we actually wanted to build this out from a side project, you know, a business or a company. First was that we wanted to go B2B rather than B2C, so sell it to institutions sure. because a lot of value accrues to institutions over individuals uh, when you deploy a service like this. And then secondly, to actually go corporate. So we ended up taking this out to the um, taking this out to the University of Pennsylvania and Wharton. They actually ended up becoming our very first paying client. Hmm. From there, we said, hey, if we validated the fact that an institution will pay and that they get value out of this. Let's actually take it to corporate markets, so Fortune 1000 companies. We ended up taking the Fortune 1000 companies. Um, I'm condensing a, a, almost a year-long process into a couple of minutes, but basically ended up discovering that while this was an idea that really was really interesting to HR executives, there wasn't enough pull necessarily in the short term to push it forward. Hmm. But we did end up surfacing this overarching problem around talent acquisition, around talent retention, around recruiting that was immediately actionable for a lot of large companies. So they care a lot about keeping and retaining their top talent. Which which is interesting because and we've I can't tell you how many times we've talked about this issue on yeah. this show and the losses that companies see each and every year from either not being able to match up a job with the right person, yep. not retraining the people they have in their company to fit those jobs, mm -hmm. or, as I said in the open, losing people because they don't feel like they are doing a job that they want to do. So, you know, to hear that, that there are HR departments out there that didn't feel like it was the right fit now... That's a little disappointing to me when I hear it, and I'm sure it was for you guys as well. Yeah, certainly. And you're witnessing the sea change in the labor market where these millennial employees are jumping ship every two, three years because they're feeling like they're outgrowing their roles. Right. We find that there's a subset of 10%, 20%, maybe even 30% of the market that really has forward-thinking HR departments and people analytics departments that focus heavily on those issues. But it just didn't get the reception initially that we had wanted. That being said, we are starting to work with this 
pilot contingent of companies that are really passionate about these issues, and mm -hmm. they've been great strategic partners in helping us advance this mission. So, I mean, with working with with the University of Pennsylvania already, who are the other companies that you, that are very much interested in, in this type of project? And obviously, it, it's a it's a project that obviously it's time now for it to bring it forward because companies realize the loss of value here. Sure, sure. So. We estimate the average Fortune 500 company loses $100 million every year to preventable employee turnover. It's a huge cost. And in many ways, it's a hidden cost. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, we, we signed up Wharton last year. Uh, we were also worked with a handful of other small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, about four months ago, we signed up our first Fortune 1000 client. That's Nielsen, based out in New York. The research uh, company. Exactly. Yeah. So we're doing a project now with uh, 10,000 of their North American employees, 20 of their internal recruiters. And we are currently building up our pipeline, our sales pipeline of, of other large institutions. Yeah. Um, we are, I'd say, mid-pipeline with a couple of those and in the pilot stage with a few more. So Nielsen, when they come to you, what, did they, what are they looking for? What yeah. are they trying to gain Obviously, for their employees, they want to maximize the people that, that are working for them. But specifically, what are they looking for? Yeah, so two big problems. One is their top talent often leaves the company. So you look at the average tenure, especially of millennials and, and junior employees, is now two or three years. Right. The average student coming out of college is expected to have 12 jobs in their lifetime. Right. 30 years ago, that was five jobs. So just the every time they lose someone, it, it costs anywhere from 50 to 100% of their annual salary yeah. to replace and re retrain someone. So the first problem is just losing people, losing skilled people. And the number one reason these people leave is because their jobs no longer fit their skill sets and their aspirations. Second is this issue around, okay, we have this skill, these skill sets, this knowledge base. Is it being effectively deployed in our organization? Mm -hmm. Is there a chance to move person from department A over to department B, put them in a better role, they'll be more engaged, they'll be more productive. Yeah. And it's actually better for us because more and more, instead of going back to school, employees are receiving on-the-job or experiential training yeah. in this new labor market. So that's why they brought us in to solve both of these problems. And we do it through deploying, as you mentioned, develop these algorithms to, to match people into new roles, yeah. um, and they're using a web application to surface these recommendations. Well, and not only is there the cost savings that the company ends up having from being able to incorporate people that are already in the company and, and move them into other locations, there ends up being a bottom line benefit to the company on you know having somebody that is a successful employee motivated really you know really engaged in their job their performance ends up being higher i mean, I mean the whatever that margin is uh, of that corporate bottom line ends up being boost if you can put people in the right location yeah that's exactly right so Actually, since we're on the Knowledge of Wharton uh, radio station right now, we'll give a shout out to Wharton professor Matthew Bidwell. He actually ended up doing yeah. research on this yeah. um, and published something through Knowledge of Wharton a couple years ago where research from his department basically showed that internal candidates tended to disproportionately outperform external candidates. Right. Obviously, you do, don't want an organization that's 100% internally filled because that starves it of external innovation. But a lot of companies have a great potential actually up their, uh, up their rates of internal hiring. So I found that... In general, internal hires tended to perform about 35% better when you looked historically and empirically at all their performance ratings and tended to cost about uh, 20 to 30% less as well. 
So there's a huge, huge benefit and a huge boon just by leveraging the implicit knowledge that they've developed inside the organization and all the existing networks that your employees already have inside the company. What was this experience like going through it? Because the part that I didn't mention is that at the end, when you're doing the finals of this competition, yeah. you are presenting this idea to not only people of Wharton and the University of Pennsylvania, but you're presenting it to outsized business people as well, correct? That's right. So I, I mean, you are you are you are reaching potential clients in the process of doing this, <laughs> right. right? Right at that period of time. That's why we were there. So right. uh, certainly, uh, I would I would say that's absolutely the case. To some extent, we'd been training for that for the last six to twelve months, not by explicitly getting involved in these entrepreneurship or pitch competitions, yeah. which we've always actually actively avoided in service of really building out the business. But we had been speaking with sales prospects, with advisors, with investors for the last six to 12 months nonstop. So very much it was a return to form to do that through the business plan competition as well. And about a week before that competition actually happened, uh, Nikhil and I sat down. We really thought about selling this, what traditionally isn't what people would consider the sexiest company, right? It's a sure. B2B yeah. enterprise yeah. SaaS play. Yeah. You're not building an, an Uber necessarily or an Airbnb. So it's a little bit more difficult to relate to sometimes. And we just made sure that we crafted a narrative that would really resonate not only in the enterprise side, which we've always focused on. So selling that enterprise value, yeah. but also on the consumer, on the employee side. Well, and, and that's it, it doesn't have to necessarily be, as you said, you know, it doesn't have to be the sexy idea. Right. It has to be the one that has the need and can be the most effective, which in this case, as we've said here in the first 10, 15 minutes, this is a massive area of need for so many companies right now. That's right. That's right. It is a it's very much a horizontal solution. So any company typically we find 3000 or plus employees is when you start to get a network that's complicated enough. So you don't know who to put into an, a new role. OK. Um, but if you think about it, there's tens of thousands of those businesses out there. Right now, we're focusing uh, on a few different verticals. So data and analytics, financial services, uh, med and pharma. But we hope and we believe that this solution can apply to any big company. Right. And we really want to be that engine, that connective tissue that allows companies to maximize the value of their human capital by putting people in the right roles. You mentioned the 3,000 employee plateau. Is it that when you get to that point, uh, the, the resources that HR have just are not appropriate enough to be able to handle thinking about the employees and thinking about the, the roles that could be potentially filled within the company itself? In many ways. Um, typically, when you are a smaller or medium-sized company, your primary HR focus is on growing and bringing in the best people right. as you're scaling out the business. When you get to a slightly larger size, all of a sudden you add additional complexities around you might have different departments, you might have silos of people, you might have recruiters that don't know who's sitting on a different floor or in a different building, mm -hmm. even though they might be a great fit for a role. So that's about the time where software and algorithms can really help to improve upon these human decisions of where to, where to put people. We're joined here in studio by Joseph Kwan and Nikhil uh, Shrivastava, who are uh, soon to be graduates here uh, from uh, the Wharton School. Uh, they have uh, developed a startup uh, that is uh, named Twine that is uh, looking to help HR departments uh, better maximize the people that are in companies. 844 Wharton is the number if you'd like to join in. Ask these young men a question. 844 942 7866. When you think about, and 
for people that are listening to us around the country, Wharton is well known of, as you said, of having these competitions. And some of the the ideas that have come out of some of these competitions are, are some of the biggest names out there. Warby Parker, obviously, being probably one of the premier ones from from uh, from the recent past. Uh, when you think about that, I mean, maybe you can't think that large at this point because you're still in the buildup process. But with something like this, there is that potential to have an impact in HR that can be ground ground shaking going forward. Absolutely. Um, we see this as a really unique opportunity. There's not there's a lot of startups that say, oh, we're changing the world. We're affecting millions of lives. It's very rare for that to actually be defensible outside of this realm of human capital analytic software. Like our mm -hmm. software really touches human lives and really meaningfully affects the trajectories and career trajectories of, of millions of people or has the potential to do that. So in the short term, what we really want to do is just nail this internal mobility niche, really make sure that we're building the best possible solution, software solution that will help one large companies retain and redeploy their talent in the most effective ways, yeah. essentially establish, help them establish more internal liquidity in their internal job markets, help them move people to the right, uh, to the right uh, openings inside their companies. And then on the employee side, actually empower these employees to grow with their companies rather than growing out of their companies, jumping over to competitors. Longer term, we see this technology actually branching out and, and much as you alluded to, kind of at Warby Parker scale, yeah. to be ultimately become a much more powerful product that helps any large organization algorithmically identify the best employees for any potential purpose. You can see these algorithms being used not only for recruiting purposes or internal hiring purposes, but for team formation. So how do I find the best sure. possible yeah. people to form this task force? How do I find the right people to fill into these different organizational gaps? How do I get different mentors and mentees to meet each other? So we see, mm -hmm. and we're seeing actually early inklings from the market right now, of this potential to use software and this algorithm-enabled technology actually help find the best people for any cause. Uh, that being said, right now we're just going to focus on one and, and expand from there. Well, I, I mean, like with any uh, startup, obviously there there were probably pitfalls, potential pitfalls uh, along the way as, mm -hmm. as you're developing this process out, correct? Absolutely. Such as? <laughs> Um, things that you saw that there's you too you, many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to give me a specific we could be, we could, we could be yeah. here for an hour and a half. This is a two hour show, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a handful, right? One is this quintessential problem of finding product market fit in the first place for startups. Yeah. So for, for those uninitiated one, it's, are you tackling the right market and is it a big enough market and is the market mature enough to, to take on the product that you have? And two, are you building the right product for that market in the first place? So a lot of the early challenges that we faced were really around customer discovery. Actually, we went into the market with a couple hypotheses about the problems that we wanted to solve, but ultimately we needed to have 20, 30, 50 conversations with HR executives, people that are actually in the field, getting yeah. their hands dirty in the HR function every single day before we got enough fidelity and enough clarity into the actual problem that we were solving. So, so, so what Twine is today is really shaped by uh, the, the product of dozens of conversations that we've had and a lot of feedback. It hasn't been something that's just come straight out of our heads. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd add to that is just the inherent pitfalls in the enterprise sales cycle, yeah. which are yeah. very long and often painful. <laughs> yes. uh, luckily, we've had, um, actually, Nielsen is, is, is not only a client of ours, but a strategic partner. So they've helped us kind of build a product for the industry and for the market. Okay. But just going through legal and privacy and finding the right person in the organization and procurement, uh, that's a process. 
Yeah, because you guys are also uh, still students here, and you know there are a few things that probably you could benefit from from a helping hand on. Correct? Yeah, that's right. No, we've <laughs> been we've been uh, it's been very beneficial to have great advisors, uh, professors in the network, even other students and alumni who have experience in this field. But when you talk with the HR representatives, what 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 were some of the best insight that they gave you about trying to eliminate this problem and to be able to save these companies, as you said at the top? I mean, we're talking millions upon millions of dollars every year that these companies are losing because they're not having an effective process of being able to find these people out. Yeah. One of the major insights that we gleaned from our initial conversations was um, this breadth of data that a lot of large organizations have that's being underutilized today. Yeah. Yeah. So you oftentimes, yeah. any large organization collects incredible records, hundreds of records on every single one of their employees that's captured throughout the value chain, so to speak, of an employee's life. So before they actually join the company, when they're applying, after they join, when they actually join the company and they're taking all these courses and certifications, a lot of companies have all this rich data about their employees, but at the same time, it's disaggregated and disorganized across many different platforms and databases. So one of the most insightful things that we learned that actually ended up forming a core thesis of ours inside of Twine was companies have great assets at their disposal and no good analytics or recommendation layer that sits on top of that helps them make sense of it. Mm -hmm. So part of what we built Twine is, as Nikhil alluded to a little bit earlier, connective tissue. Right, tissue that'll help aggregate, consolidate all this data that you have about your employees in one unified view, and yeah. then provide analytics on top of that to make it really intuitive and really actionable to get data to say, hey, I have all this employee data. Now I know who are the five, 10 best employees I should be moving around my organization to fill open roles. Nicole? I think the another insight we got from going out to the market was that this is a cultural issue as much as it is a technology issue, Okay, right? You can build these predictive algorithms that will maximize uh, how successful someone is in a particular role. You can figure out how likely they are to quit. You can suggest new jobs for them. But there definitely does have to be a culture at the company. Mm -hmm. Often, individual managers can be territorial. They might not want their employees leaving to other, other departments. Yeah. So what we're focusing on initially is the early adopters, the, the companies who are forward-thinking in their HR departments, who believe in internal mobility, who believe in investing in the development of their employees. But that's definitely a challenge that we are going to have to face down the road because you can deploy a technology, but unless you have the buy-in from the top, unless you have a culture um, to support it, it's, it's going to be hard to make it effective. So, I mean, it's just as much as anything, this is mindset uh, of the HR department, of the managers, of the C-suite. If you don't have the proper mindset, then it's very hard to really kind of make this work and be able to improve your company. It can be intrinsic and extrinsic is the way we see it. So yeah. absolutely, we're targeting those first uh, wave of companies that really have this intrinsic mindset of employee development, career development, helping their employees grow with the company rather than growing out of their companies. Right. At the same time, we realize that it's part of our responsibility to help create this market. And what I mean by that is it's our responsibility to educate the market. It's our responsibility to put out this research and evangelize a lot of the great research that's come out of Wharton, whether it's from Peter Capelli or Matthew Bidwell or Adam Grant or Kate Massey, uh, the heads of the people analytics department out here, 
to actually show that there are huge benefits to internal mobility and internal hiring and evangelize that and equip all of our customers or potential customers with the capabilities and with the knowledge they need to make a case for internal mobility. So first, it's kind of penetrating the, the early part of the market where people really get it, but very soon it's actually going to become educating the market and, and nailing a lot of those extrinsic external factors. Thank you. No, that's right. And that, that's a process that right now we are in the early stages of, but it's it's a long journey. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that Joseph and I have, have had conversations at, uh, about from the very beginning is just the fact that this is, you know, a five, seven-year road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially coming out of school and, and realistically, we've been, we've been working semi-full-time for the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, but now we graduate on Sunday and, and really the, the rubber hits the road. So uh, we're ready for the grind. So there's no vacation time for you guys after, oh, no, after graduation on Sunday. It's, <laughs> it's dig right in and get to it. That's right. Well, I, I guess as simple a question as it, as it is, is but uh, where are you guys going to be working from? Are you going to be shedding, setting up shop in your parents' houses to get this thing rolling, or do you have your office space already set up? Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> indeterminate right now. We probably will keep a little bit of a presence here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but longer term, because our clientele is based out in New York City, yeah. it probably makes sense just to establish that, um, establish that proximity. So we're exploring a couple locations. Um, <laughs> we also might be in the barrier just for the summer because we've gotten some money from investors out there uh, and might spend some time out there just launching the product. But longer term, we see our future out in the East Coast. What What has been, been this process like? As you mentioned, for the last 12 months, you've been doing this, but you've also been doing school. I mean, th- that is the ultimate juggle uh, 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 of a variety of different duties. Yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, uh, especially in an MBA program when there's so many different opportunities and yeah. speakers coming in and classes. Um, it takes, I'd say, a level of discipline to carve out the time and focus on the business yeah. and realistically to, you know, forego some of the really cool, exciting opportunities and especially the social side of the MBA program. I'd say Joseph and I don't kind of party and travel as much as your typical MBA. Um, but uh, for us, it's it's been even more rewarding to actually be in business school and have a business that we're running. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's really kind of an education by fire. Right? And you have that potential networking right in within the uh, the other MBAs that are uh, that are in that program as well. Absolutely. Wish you all the best. Sounds great. Yeah. You guys are doing uh, doing fantastic things. Thanks for giving us your time today. Thank you Thank so you much for wish, having us. Wish you all the best. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.